www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 44. I'm BRFCS editor Wen Wai Hu, and with me in today's virtual studio are Chief Reporter Cami, Assistant Editor Eddie, and Forum Member John Lee of BRANZ. Glenn from BRFCS Admin is in the background taking care of the recording of today's podcast, and he'll also be joining in some of the discussion. We've had yet another tumultuous 24 hours on the BRFCS forums as speculation regarding news surrounding a football club has been through the rumour mill. In today's Mail on Sunday, Nick Harris has revealed details of Steve Keane's contract that indicate that he had actually been awarded a five-year contract, taking him through to 2016 and not to the end of this season, as we had been led to believe. On the field, Eric Black's tenure as caretaker manager has continued with a nil-nil draw away to Notts Forest and then a one-nil defeat down at Ewood against Wolves. Uh, just like to welcome everyone in. Uh, first of all, Cammy, how are you? I'm all right, Ren. How are you? Very well. Yeah, it's going good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I believe that uh, you're pretty busy today with uh, with the 2020 cricket final coming up. Yeah, yeah. I've got T20 cricket thing to cover today, uh, so I won't be here for long. But um, right. you know, uh, the cricket comes first today. Okay. Good. Good. And uh, yeah, Eddie's with us uh, again. Um, thanks for coming on, Eddie. Uh, pleasure. Yeah, and uh, I believe you've moved over to the UK. Yeah, I've just recently moved over to Lamington Spa. Uh, only a short-term move, but still nice. You getting uh, to see a few of the matches now? It makes it easier to get to the matches, although it makes it more difficult to see the matches that I don't get to. So it's, you know. Positives and negatives. Okay, good. Anyway, your uh, your move over from Paris went well, yeah. Reasonably well, as well as could be expected. Yeah, no, that's good. And uh, John uh, John dot Lee on the forums. Uh, he's joining us from Brisbane in Australia. How are you, John? I'm great. Well, and yourself? Yeah, it's going good over here. Thank you. Good. And uh, what have you been up to today? Um, today we've been out. All day down the beach, um, 34 degrees, lovely, nice breeze, had a barbecue, just came back home in time to get on with the podcast. Last week we celebrated our ninth anniversary here in Australia, so it's it's been a while, and this has been well, proving to be the hardest year because we've got virtually no um, TV coverage of Rovers games. Yeah, yeah we'll be talking about that shortly. Uh, now... Um, Glenn is also in the background we mentioned, uh, so we'll be uh, bringing him in uh, to the discussion from time to time. Uh, first of all, uh, if we could uh, just look at uh, Steve Keane's contract situation uh, that was revealed in the Mail on Sunday by Nick Harris. Um, Cammy, uh, what, uh, what do you know about this? Yeah, this was uh, something that um, obviously I'd become aware of uh, during the day yesterday, um, uh, that this story about Steve Keane's contract was going to be coming up um, in, in in one of the, the newspapers. I kind of guessed it would be Nick Harris because he's usually on the ball with these kind of stories. Uh, yes, it uh, was ball past blue as far as I was concerned because uh, the, the club uh, last December, I think it was, confirmed that he'd been given uh, a revised contract but categorically stated that uh, the length of, of the contract um, hadn't been uh, extended in, in any way. Uh, obviously, with Nick Harris doing this story, uh, he doesn't usually uh, do stories without having some proper information. So I'll, I, I will be inclined to believe that this story is true. And if it is, then unfortunately, it's uh, another lie, mistruth that's been told to fans in terms of of Keane having a new contract. Uh, the figures which Nick has uh, revealed are, uh, you know, quite um, not startling, but uh, but surprising, I would say, uh, in terms of what he's being paid and the length of contracts and the bonuses, etc., that were that were on offer to him. Uh, even 
in the championship, I think his his basic wage was six hundred thousand pounds, which for for this league is it's quite quite a sort of big sort of money for a manager in the championship. Uh, and potential managers can gain on on taking the Rovers job will 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 now use these figures as uh, the baseline for for negotiating uh, with with Venkis. Um, so yeah, uh, it's disappointing in terms of. Uh, being told uh, or not being told the truth by the club in terms of uh, you know the, the deal, um, you know not running till the end of this season, but running to 2016. Uh, so that was that's disappointing, and uh, it's the figures uh, which you know I thought he was on good money, but not as good money as as this. Yeah, he was uh, on a million a year apparently up until uh, relegation. And that was due to go up to 1.2 million if he'd have stayed in the Premier League. Yeah, that's his basic pay. And then I think there's bonuses of 1.6 million each year um, and various other things. Um, so potentially he, he could have earned over just under 15 million uh, in the next three or four years if he'd stayed as, as manager. Uh, and it kind of explains why uh, he. You know, he's going for constructive dismissal because uh, he'll be able to, if he does take on a constructive dismissal case against Rovers, um, I think they were only offering him around about 300000 So he'll be able to ask for a lot more money by saying that his contract was potentially worth £15 million. Uh, so, so that's why I think he jumped uh, before he was pushed. The 1.6 million in bonuses per year. Uh, do you know what uh, type of bonuses those were? I don't. I mean, to be honest, uh, the, the, you know, this is all news to me in terms of what it was. But you know, it does seem to be there's loads of clauses and bonus and performance related, um, you know, uh, money and money for getting into Europe, money for getting into. To various rounds of cups, etc. So it does look like a very complicated, uh, you know, uh, kind of contract. But potentially, it was worth fifteen million. It's quite something. Yeah. yeah. So, Eddie, um, do you have any comments? No, I mean, it's, I think from a supporter's perspective, it's um, confusing. It's disappointing to see that you know facts have been hidden from the club again, um, and that. You know, we we go down this route where, you know, normally uh, the contract length for managers is is common knowledge, and for us, it's it's being hidden from us. Which, you know, it's it's concerning to see. Uh, clearly, they knew that the supporters wouldn't be in favour of a of a, such a long contract, and so they 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 have some awareness of the desires of the, the fan base, but then. Despite that, they go completely against it and and try and you know conceal conceal the actual facts from the fans. More worryingly, you know, I was in the camp of supporters who was who when it started to be rumored that Steve Keane might be sacked, I sort of reassured myself with the thought that his contract was expiring at the end of the year anyway. So hopefully he would be gone at that point. But now it it you know, it transpires that that wasn't the case. Um, it makes it very difficult as a supporter to now trust any information that we're given from the club if, if they're, you know, sort of lying about something as basic as a, as a contract length. Um, you know, what, where, would it, where would it stop? But I think, I mean, as Cammy touched on, it is encouraging in some respects that, that uh, he was on a large contract. So for, for perspective um, managers. I mean, that's got to be an attractive proposition. Um, so we should at least be able to offer very competitive wages, which has to help. Uh, although, like, similarly, as as Cammy mentioned, maybe not the best negotiation negotiating tactic to to now make it. You know, now that everyone knows that he was on a high wage, I'm certainly not going to be able to sort of offer someone less than that and expect them to take the job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John, do you have any uh, <laughs> views on on this? I agree with everything that Eddie said. It's hard to disagree with that. Um, just on the, the big figures that have been quoted in the mail on Sunday, you've got to remember that he would have only been paid all those if he'd achieved everything. And if he had achieved everything, I think I'd be happy for him to be paid that. Uh, but obviously, <laughs> he's never going to achieve the sort of um, goals that were being set for him. And uh, if he's trying to base 
any future potential claim, and I suppose we have to be careful talking about legal issues, but if he's trying to base any claim for loss of future potential earnings, he's going to have a, a difficult job because he's just not even in that ballpark with the uh, performances that he was putting in. So, yep, um, it's great that Rovers can chuck that sort of money, or Venkis can chuck that sort of money. Um, at appointing a new manager, unless Chelsea they spend it wisely and appoint somebody who actually may be able to um, trigger some of those clauses towards getting some of the bonuses. It'd be great if we could pay those out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, talking about new managers, uh, we've got the manager search uh, ongoing. Um, there's been discussion of whether we're going to be looking for a, a young and upcoming manager or whether we're going to go for experience. Uh, we discussed this briefly uh, last week uh, on the podcast. Uh, Cammy, uh, what do you have uh, as the latest for uh, manager search? Yeah, as of last Monday, they were definitely, Rovers were definitely looking for a young manager. They wanted uh, someone like Rogers, Lambert, Adkins, that kind of mad- manager who has done well in the in the championship and then gone on into the Premier League and and been highly regarded. So so that was the plan. Uh, what they've been blown away by is the uh, number of high quality, experienced managers uh, putting their name forward. Uh, your your or putting it in expressions of interest, uh, that's what's blown Rovers away. So whether that strategy now changes due to the the, the people who are you know interested in talking to them uh, about the job. Um, so I believe that they're going to have a meeting uh, later today or early tomorrow morning, and a shortlist is now going to be put together. Uh, the reason they didn't do it last week was because Shebby felt uh, that we needed to focus on what was happening on the pitch, uh, particularly with two big games coming up um, uh, during the week. So they wanted to focus on the pitch. And I suspect he wanted to give Eric Black uh, a chance to see if he can you know, put his name forward for the job. Uh, I, I think after yesterday, I would be surprised if Eric Black gets the job now uh, because you know, he's, he's just not shown that he's capable of, of doing so. so. So he's, I think he's out of the running so it's, this is Venkis we're talking about so anything's possible uh, but I think they're going to have a meeting to, either later today or tomorrow get the shortlist together and then whoever the first choice is they're going to approach him if they continue uh, with the original plan which was to get a young manager in then the likes of Tim Sherwood uh, Saltshaw and Alan Shearer are going to be high up that list and one of them three will be approached I would say if they go and change the plan and say they want to get um, a more experienced manager in, then then Bernd Schuster has put his name forward. So he's one that would definitely uh, be approached, I think. And there's quite a few others who have indicated that they want to talk to them. Uh, They are genuinely surprised by the quality of applicants that uh, they're getting, uh, as as most people are. But you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, which which way they go. Uh, the Solskjaer one is the most interesting. Uh, obviously, he gave a press conference earlier this week, and he didn't deny, uh, you know, didn't outright say that he didn't want the Rovers job. Uh, I'm told uh, that his representatives have been in touch with Rovers, uh, and I think there's been uh, some dialogue between. Uh, the club and his representatives over the last six months or so. So this isn't a new thing. I think uh, that a relationship has been built between Solskjaer's people and, and Rovers. Now, it doesn't mean that we, he's definitely going to get the job because uh, uh, Mold, uh, Solskjaer's club, will fight tooth and nail to, to keep hold of him. So, so you know, that one could run. But I think the plan now is uh, to get a short list together go after whoever the number one target is and try and get this person in by the weekend so that that the person then has a clear week to prepare the team for, for the derby game. I think that that's what the plan is. The brothers were here yesterday. They've flown back to Zurich. Uh, they like to work from there. So if a new manager wants to talk to them or they're going to be involved in the process, then uh, that'll be done from Zurich. They're very more senior advisor from India, he's still here. So again, that indicates that there's going to be some movement on the manager front. So uh, the two brothers have gone back. They 
the senior advisor is still here and I assume he'll be working with Shebby uh, to, to, to get this manager situation sorted. Yeah, the next match uh, isn't next weekend because of the uh, international break. So there's uh, a couple of weeks from now until the derby match on the 20th. So the the idea is to get someone in uh, bef- uh, before before the derby match. Yeah, I think they want to get them in by next weekend and then that manager has a, another week to prepare the team uh, for, for the derby game. What they don't want to do is get the new manager in uh, on like the Thursday or Friday before the derby game because the, the manager won't have any time to, to prepare the team. And I think uh, the week that derby... So we play derby on... Saturday, then I think we've got a midweek game against Sheffield Wednesday, and then we've got another game on Saturday. So it's another three-week game, uh, a three-week, uh, three games a week uh, sort of situation. Uh, and and really, we can't afford uh, to be falling any further behind uh, the likes of Cardiff and Leicester, who are not pulling away, but you know, uh, you can't afford to mess around for another three games. So it's really important the manager situation sorted this coming week then the manager has a week to prepare the team uh, for the derby game because after that the games come in very very quick succession yeah we've got uh, Sheffield Wednesday uh, followed by uh, Watford at home uh, so there's uh, two games down at Ewood uh, on the Wednesday and the Saturday so uh, yeah like you say in the championship they do come thick and fast don't they yeah, yeah. So it's really, you know, we we can't really afford to be messing around, and 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 I'm pretty sure Shebby's aware of that as well. So if they're going to appoint Eric Black, I hope not. But if they are, then let's get it all done and dusted. Week, we're going to appoint another manager. Then let's get that done and dusted this week uh, and stop the uncertainty. Basically, uh, the only other interesting thing is um, uh, Alan Nixon in the Sunday People. Um, has you know revealed that Chevy's getting advice from Jerry Armstrong. Uh, Jerry Armstrong is uh, the Sky pundit for Spanish football. So if he is getting his advice, then again he was to go for Bernd Schuster, uh, who he knows quite well from Schuster's time in Spain, or he'll be possibly saying you know pushing a manager in Spain or maybe the likes of Rafa Benitez. So it's very interesting if, if Alan Nixon's story is true that uh, uh, Jerry Armstrong is being sought up, sought by Chevy to give him advice, then uh, you know, maybe someone like Schuster is the one that will plump for, or maybe even a Benitez. Is there any possibility that Michel Salgado could come in with, uh, uh, with Bernd Schuster? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean... You know, he's he's not doing anything anything at the moment. He's doing uh, TV work um, for Al Jazeera. Uh, so he obviously loves the club. Uh, if you if you follow him on Twitter, he's made some really really uh, good comments about the club, the fans. Uh, so so yeah, well, it, it possibly depend on 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 Michelle because he was treated pretty shabbily by by Rovers, particularly uh, obviously. Uh, the, the now departed Steve Keane and um, you know the owners so uh, it, it just depends on how badly he was treated by them and whether he's willing uh, to forgive them and, and come back to the club uh, but yeah, if there's a new manager in you know he might bring you know someone like Salgado in as as a as a coach or a you know I don't think an assistant manager or anything like that but he might bring him as a coach as an advisor uh, so yeah um, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, the other one is obviously Alan Shearer. Uh, he put his name forward. Uh, again, Alan Nixon says if he got the job, he'd bring Mike Newell and Ian Dowie in as his backroom team. And it was interesting yesterday, Ian Dowie was at the game. Uh, he was in the commentary gantry. And from where I sit, I could see him clearly. Uh, he was there for Sky. And um, so I kept an eye on him. And, and obviously he was there. He was making notes out a few times. He had a notepad out. So he was making some notes about what I don't know. But uh, So he was there keeping an eye on things. Well, that's uh, it's good news to, to hear from you. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, I know you're very busy. Uh, you got to get off now, I believe. Yeah, I'll I'll be off. Go watch the cricket, and uh, you know, hopefully, talk to you guys sometime soon. Okay, great. Thanks ever so much, then. Yeah, thanks. Right.
All right, um, we'll just have a, a quick look at uh, Eric Black. Uh, his tenure as caretaker manager has continued with uh, um, a draw this week against Knott's Forest away and uh, then uh, yesterday's defeat to Wolves. Uh, we haven't scored any goals uh, in those two matches and uh, the, the way that we were set up uh, would suggest that uh, um, there was a pretty good reason for not scoring any goals. First of all, um, Glenn, um, you went down to the Forest match, I believe. Yeah, it was dull. It was dire. It was absolute garbage. Um, we we play, we we set our store out to be defensive, three across the back, two wing backs, and Danny Murphy sat just in front. And you know, as a tactic, it worked. It it you know led to absolutely abysmal game of football, but we came away with the point. Um, the fact that the same was tried again yesterday and didn't really seem to work is um, you know is, is, is testament to it. But no, it 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 was. Um, what should have been a great celebration of a day it was my first game um, since Keane had gone because I couldn't make Charlton and um, yeah it was a horrible damp squib of an anti-climax of a game um, the Forest match did we actually deserve a point in the end hmm. um, they were no better than us um, but that doesn't necessarily mean we deserved the point. We certainly didn't deserve it based on effort, style, or anything like that. But yeah, we 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 didn't look the weaker side. It it just it looked like two pretty poor sides. Somebody actually described it as time as looking like a pre-season friendly, and that's exactly how it looked. It was just two teams passing it around for fun that didn't really seem to care about pushing forward at all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you say that the Wolves match was uh, basically a continuation. Of uh, of the the Forest uh, match. Yeah, it was. I mean, for those people that were at the Wolves game that weren't at the Forest game, it would seem quite unbelievable that the um, the Wolves game could actually have been better. But it, it it was. But it was. Yeah, it it was the same tactics, the same style, the same lack of any drive. Yeah, it it, it was. It was the just the same all over again, but with a got chance at each end this time. All right. Sounds like a major improvement on the Forest match. Very, very similar. Just um, the Forest one was even worse. As I say, away from home, you could almost um, excuse them playing for the draw from the outset, but for the Wolves game, yeah. Right. Um, Eddie, you were down at Ewood uh, yesterday for your first live match in quite a while. Um, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was my first live match since uh, the Wigan game, so I don't seem to be bringing much luck recently. But uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't an impressive performance. Um, I just we were set up. I mean, as Glenn mentioned, we were set up in a way um, that it was. It's very defensive. We created no chances, and um, you know, from the it just the big problem to me. I think with the way the team played yesterday, the big problem is Danny Murphy. I mean. He and he and Lowe in the first half could have held each other's hands. They, I mean, they they simply were almost doing exactly the same thing, and it it confuses me that we brought in Murphy in a sense to be kind of this midfield maestro and kind of run things for us. And in the end, all of he all he does is sort of statically remain in in you know this sort of twenty yard box that he has, and then every once in a while he tries a killer pass that just doesn't work. Uh, he gives away possession almost every time he gets the ball. Um, and whoever the next manager is, uh, is going to have to figure out how to, to get him more involved in games. The other major problem then was the fact that down the right-hand side of the of the pitch, we, we offer nothing. Um, you know, Bradley Orr is not a wing-back, and to, to ask him to play that sort of role um, is just, you know, some idiotic in some respects. He, he just doesn't offer enough going forward, and it just completely cuts off half the pitch. And uh, it's nice to see that Eric Black has been willing to change the formation from and the approach from what Steve Keen was using, and that it shows that he's not just a Steve Keen crony, um, but the, the 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 approach he's chosen isn't going to work. And so I hope that that's been seen, and we actually bring in a manager who's going to really shake things up and. Uh, bring a little bit more excitement, but also keep the stability at the back. If you're going to you know, go for stability, 
uh, and you're looking for a clean sheet, uh, presumably the first thing you do isn't to introduce a new system, you know, mid-season. Um, why why didn't he go for you know a, a flat back four uh, with uh, in, you know instead of messing around with your midfield, have four four across the midfield, possibly with uh, uh, with uh, the one of the two front front uh, men uh, providing a link between uh, midfield and attack, so at four four one one rather than four four two. Uh, why go for wing backs? Uh, you know, when when you're looking for uh, retrenching, as it were. I suppose he's made the assessment that our, our three best defenders are all central defenders, which is probably the case in Dan, Jive, and Hanley. And so he's you. I mean, he's using that as the basis for the defence. And Olsen is relatively suited to playing as a wing back. So in that sense, it makes some sense, but. You then get to the right-hand side of the pitch, and it doesn't work with Orr. Perhaps it would work with Ribeiro, actually. He, he might be suited to being more of a wing-back. But then it breaks down again in the midfield, where we, our central midfielders simply seemingly do not know how to work in a, in a, in a situation where they have wing-backs overlapping down the... You know, they don't, they don't have the easy option of always passing to their right or left, which is, in a sense, what Murphy was often wanted to do, to do and couldn't do. And so then he would either sort of idly stand on the ball until someone took it off him, or he would attempt some, you know, pass that just didn't work. Um, so I can see some logic to why he's done it, but it's true mid-season, especially mid-season when we had a run of three games in quick succession, where I assume they basically couldn't train. I mean, you know, the, in this week they will have had very little opportunity to actually work on a new system. Uh, it doesn't seem to be the smartest idea. Maybe something worth implementing after the international break, but before that it's difficult to do. John, you don't get to see much of uh, the Rovers these days. Uh... No, we get to see just the games that are on um, Sky Sports back in the UK. So we've had two games so far, Leicester and Middlesbrough. Neither of them were particularly good to watch. Um but yeah, I've seen those, and it's really hard to get anything else. It, it's just we have to subscribe to an additional subscription on top of Fox Sports. There's a channel, Satanta Sport. We have to pay an additional fee for that to get Championship football, and they have like a sort of a match of the day program where they run through all the games in the uh, that are not in the Premier League. <clears throat> so you get, if you're lucky, a two-minute spot on that one. Sometimes it's just a ten-minute spot. Oh, sorry, a 10-second spot on uh, on the... Sorry, it's not much coverage at all. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about uh, the formation and the setup? I haven't been able to see any of the games, obviously, as I mentioned before, when, so it's really hard to comment, but at least Eric Black has tried to do something a little bit different, as Eddie mentioned. Um, I, just the time, I think. He hasn't had enough time to really implement something where it's going to be a drastic change, and I tend to agree with yourself. Um, why not leave things as they were with the four and um, try and stop? Well, we have. We're not conceding as many goals. We've just dried up at the other end now. It's it's a puzzle as to what to do. And I say without the benefit of seeing the games, it's really hard for me to uh, to comment and criticise from that point of view. But it seems like we we're not conceding as many goals now. But we we spend eight million on a striker who. Uh, Eric Black, apparently in the uh, post-match press conference, is saying we haven't got the right type of strikers to score goals in this division. So it's, I really don't know what to think. Like I say, without seeing the games, it makes it hard. Yeah, it's um, rather a strange post-match comment by, uh, by, the, by, by the manager. Um, yeah, it's with between him, uh, Rhodes and Gomez, we were scoring goals, and then Colin Kazim richard was coming back as well, who's uh, another... Goal scorer. I thought we'd, um, you know, we should be we should be having a little bit more joy up that end of the field. And if we can restrict the opposition to score to scoring just one goal, then we we should have a bit of a chance, really. But uh, yeah, we've tried up at the other end. What I would say is the way we were set up yesterday. In a sense, he's right. Um, if we're going to play with that formation and in that system, we need uh, forward. We need more pace in the side because what you really need is people running into the channels and stretching a defence. And we just we don't really have that. I mean, Kazim Richards isn't an out-and-out striker. So even though he has quite a bit of pace, he's not doing that. 
And so Rhodes is, was very isolated up front by himself. And that's not his, I mean, that can be easily fixed. That's just, he's not suited to, you know, playing that, playing in that system. But uh, he, can, can, he can clearly score goals at this level. And we clearly have goals on our side. So it is a bizarre comment. And the other thing that's strange, I mean, going back to the Wolves game, they have a huge. I mean, at the back, they're 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 huge, and we continually just pumped long balls up to them. I mean, it was if you if you chose the one way that we weren't going to be able to break them down, it was that. I mean, they had a size advantage across their back four, and we continuously thought that maybe one was going to sneak through. It made no sense. Were Wolves uh, pretty good on the attack? Did they look dangerous? Uh, uh, were we a, a little bit uh, more solid at the back? Um, they didn't look particularly dangerous. I mean, their their goal came from us not properly clearing a corner. And apart from that, they had one or two chances. They hit the post once. Um, but, I mean, they had maybe three or four chances, and none of which were tremendously good in a match. And typically, if you, if you limit a side to that, you've done pretty well. I mean, they're one of the better teams in the division. So I don't think we can be disappointed with it. The, how relatively solid we were defensively, but we offered absolutely nothing going forward. We never looked like we were going to score. I mean, there was there were one or two slight half chances, but uh, realistically, it, it, it you know the, it, the match looked as if it should have been a nil nil, and they they got the goal. Yeah. We looked uh, pretty poor under Steve Keane uh, down the flanks. Um, always looked liable to. Uh, uh, let let uh, the opposition have chances down the flanks. Uh, with this uh, new new system that Eric Black's introduced, uh, you're saying that he essentially we looks a little bit more solid, or was it purely because Wolves weren't uh, weren't exploiting that uh, those areas of the pitch? Um, they, the only time when it looked as if they could sort of exploit that was occasionally on the break, when obviously with the three centre backs um, you do get a bit of space down the channels when our full backs, well wing backs, are pushed up. And so once or twice uh, on the break, they were able to, to break quite quickly, um, which didn't seem to actually be something that they were tremendously suited to. And another side would have exploited that more. Uh, but overall, we looked relatively solid. If you take away the fact that, um, you know, the, the wingbacks didn't look entirely comfortable with their roles and that our midfield struggled to retain possession, the actual performance of the of, of Henley, Dan, and, and Juve was good um, for the most part. So uh, the defensive weakness wasn't the issue, really. It was the fact that we offered absolutely nothing going forward, um, and we did look we did look more like the away side over the course of the match. How was the ground yesterday, Eddie? Well, I say the ground. How were the supporters yesterday, Eddie? Was it um, a vibrant occasion, or what did it feel like being there the first game since Keane left? I thought the atmosphere was pretty good. Obviously, I can't compare it to... I've not been to any other matches so far this season, so uh -huh. um, the only thing I can compare it to was the last time I went, which was obviously Wigan, which was, yeah. you know, completely different to that. But overall, it seemed relatively positive. I mean, obviously, the attendance was up, so that was encouraging. Um, uh, although they, I don't think they announced it in the stadium, which um, I guess is either surprising or unsurprising, depending on how you look at it. Um, but maybe I missed it but I, I never heard them announce the, the attendance um, but I think it was somewhere around the 17,000 mark so obviously that's you know considerably up on, on previous matches this season but overall it seemed to be fairly positive it wasn't I wouldn't say it was loud but um, uh, you know it was decent and in fairness to the supporters there wasn't a tremendous amount to feed off from the match itself and so during the kind of five minutes when we kind of had a bit of momentum going this you know the support picked up but it was a pretty dull match and very flat and so i think you know the 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 atmosphere and the ground sort of reflected that okay were there many fans there from malls out of the seventeen thousand, or did they bring um, a good following they had a reasonable following um they sort of filled okay. the uh the lower section there so I would imagine I, I don't know they, it looked like I would assume that's all they were offered so it seemed that they sold that out but uh, okay. yep. they were they were except they were very quiet until until they they went ahead I mean uh, they were they were deathly silent 
Because yep. I know Steve King's removal was sort of the first hurdle for a lot of people towards coming back. But just off the things that I'd seen off um, the supporters forum and the Twitter and so on, I thought that there would have been a bigger gate there, to be honest. And I know that's easier for me to criticise being the other side of the world when I don't go. But I just thought there would have been closer to 20,000 than the 17,000. But maybe there's still you know, one or two things, one or two issues that still haven't gone away for a lot of people. And a few more things need to be done before people will be won back. Maybe it's not just that easy for Venkis to get rid of Steve Keen and then everything in the garden's rosy. Well, you certainly seem to have some people are sticking that they won't come back until Venkis go. And then there are others who said that they were happy Keen left, but then were unhappy to see Eric Black get the, get the job as yeah. they thought that was a continuation of Steve Keen, which I think is a bit unfair yeah. on Black. Um, but... You know, it's encouraging to see that at least there was a considerable increase in the attendance. But yeah, it'd be nice yeah, to see definitely. a few more. Yeah, fully agree with that. Um, as to people, just my opinion, people who are waiting for Venkis to go, it seems like they might be for a long wait before they actually go. Yeah. Um, before the match, uh, there was a, a bit of a meetup. Um, in the Fox and Hounds, I think, a BRFCS meetup. Uh, Glenn uh, was uh, at the forefront of arranging this little community event. Uh, Glenn, how did it go? Did you get a few people in there? Yeah, we, we, we did. I mean, it wasn't really properly planned. It was just, um, you know, the, the, the fact that a lot of people, a lot of the board members that had um, previously not been attending this season were all coming back to that game. So at the 11th hour... We just decided that um, we'd forgo our normal meeting place in Blues, which obviously issues are getting without season tickets, and shouted far and wide that we were going to be um, in um, in the Fox and Hounds. And yeah, I think up to about 25 of us at one point. Um, you know, to be fair, the vast majority of people I, I already knew. Um, but yeah, it was good. Introduced a lot of people. A lot of members now know what a lot of other members look like. So um, good, good start to the day. Good. Yeah. Did uh, Did Eddie get along? Not that I saw. I, I, I don't recall seeing Eddie there. Were you there? No, I, was, <laughs> no, I wasn't there. My train didn't get in until three forty two forty five. So I was I was in a bit of a rush to get to the ground. So I wasn't able to make an appearance next time though. Yeah. But now the sort of notable posters of of recent days that are there, we've got um, Bob Fleming and Dawn and um, Scotty and Manchester Blue and uh, Alan, who's the ghoul, was there. Um, myself, I'm just trying, there, there seemed to be quite a collection at one point. I just realised that I'm just going to miss somebody if I go rattling off all the names. Yeah, it was a fair, a fair old. Uh... Um, gathering though, it was indeed. As I say, a lot of people w- would have probably been there anyway. You know, that were just wandering through and came to say hello. But um, yeah, it, it, it was good. I, I always enjoy things like that where we can sort of take the community away from the message board and do something in, um, you know, in, in actual real life with it. Preferably in a pub. That's always <laughs> a bonus. I, 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 you've probably spotted um, a, a reoccurring theme there. That anything like that we organise, there seems to be beer involved. Good. Right. Right. So if we move on to uh, the manager search, um, we'll probably during the coming week or two uh, have our new manager. Um, there's a meeting coming up very soon, I, I understand. If we could just have a, a, a brief discussion of the odds on the next manager coming in. Um, as Cammy was just saying, uh, there's some pretty uh, good names in there. Uh, Eddie, uh, what, uh, what do you have for us? The favourite at the moment is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, he's, uh, I mean, from a betting perspective, he's sort of shortened up very quickly in, in recent weeks. Obviously, before that, when it first, when Keane, well, even before Keane went, when the speculation was, you know, that he was going to be sacked, Tim Sherwood was the, was the favourite. Um, and he sort of drifted in the market. And, and uh, now it's Solskjaer and Shearer, who, who seem to be the, the bookies' favourites for the jobs. Um uh, I know from having found out the hard way that uh, bookies are not the best um, guidelines for who the next manager of clubs are going to be. I've had my sort of my fingers burnt in the past by uh, by uh, next manager markets, but um, 
certainly it's it's an interesting list. I mean, you got a lot of the usual suspects in sort of Mick McCarthy, Roy, Roy Keeney, and Holloway um, all being suggested. Um, and then you get to the the interesting foreigners in uh, Hitzfeld, Bernd Schuster, and uh, Jürgen Klinsmann. So, from my perspective, I'd like to see us point appoint someone who's a bit more experienced. Um, and I think it's interesting that that people with uh, you know with a lot of experience, international experience, and bigger names are actually taking an interest in the in the position. And if that's actually the case, as far as I'm concerned, I think they're the ones we should be looking at. Yeah, uh, I think we can confirm that uh, uh, the Rovers have got some very good names um, who, who've put their uh, put their names into the hat, as it were. Um, we can't go into details at this stage, but um, uh, we've got some uh, pretty pretty big names in there, and. Uh, I'm just hoping that in the next couple of days uh, that uh, we'll make some progress. Um, John, who who, uh, who do you fancy out that li- little list that uh, Eddie's come up with? Yep, yeah, I've just pulled the same list up myself on the odds checker. Um, Souls could be interesting. I don't I don't know whether he's experienced or whether he's young and up and coming. He's uh, worked for some time at United with the youth team and he's uh, done some things in the Norwegian. Premier League with Mould, but um, I don't think he would be back. I don't know whether he'd be interested in Blackburn, or he turned down Villa, didn't he, when they approached him? Yeah. I'm not sure whether Blackburn would really satisfy him, would tick his boxes, um, but maybe it might, he might see it as a bit of a blank canvas and some time to get it, the team up and mould, no pun intended, what, it, what he wants from a team. Um, but looking down the list, Mick McCarthy really doesn't do it for me. I think what we're looking for is another Sam Allardyce, to be honest, to get us out of our current predicament. I know a lot of people, and I, I didn't like the way that Sam played, but we need somebody who can get us back to that level and then look at somebody who is an improvement on Sam Allardyce. But looking down the list, the one that really stands out for me is um, Bernd Schuster. And Otmar Hitzfeld will be the two. Um how they could translate to actually winning things in the, the championship, I'm not really sure. It might be a bit of a shock for them, but um, if guys of that calibre are interested, I think that would be amazing. And, and am I right, did Schuster, does he have some connection with Michel Salgado from the days at Real Madrid? That's They would have been the there only, at the same the time. I, yeah, the only reason I could... Because I'm quite active on Twitter, and uh, Michel Salgado, since Keane left, has been in some really nice things about the Rovers. Now, whether Michel and Burnt have been having some words, and whether Michel's spoken favourably about us, I don't know. And that's me just putting two and two together and probably getting completely the wrong result. But otherwise, you wonder why on earth Schuster would even be interested in a team like Blackburn Rovers. Um, but on a more realistic basis, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't. I'm not over impressed by Shearer or Sherwood. To be honest, I think we need somebody who's got some miles under belt. Um, I think Sherwood. Everybody's telling me that he's going to be a great manager, but we've had enough of people like that with um, Paul Lynch and with Steve Keane as well. We need somebody who's actually been there and done it. Mick McCarthy. I wonder why he's still out of a job if he's that good. Um, he can get teams up, but then he doesn't seem to do much more, and nobody's really come in for him since he's been sacked. Roy Keane, I wouldn't go anywhere near him. Ian Holloway, I can't see that he would want to come to Blackburn. I don't know. Um, it's really difficult. Uh, I'm not a great one for picking managers either because when we appointed Paul Lintz, I thought that was going to be great. I thought he had everything. He'd served his apprenticeship in the lower division and I thought he was going to do it for us, but just look how that one worked out. So when it comes to picking managers, I'm probably not the best person to be speaking with. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think we've um, uh, we've we've got this tendency to to think of ourselves as uh, not being attractive for managers uh, or for um, you know uh, footballers, whether they're nation- national or international level uh, footballers. But um, I, I think that uh, in the wider world, Blackburn Rovers has got an excellent name, and uh, um, you know when you when you look at the setup at the Rovers. Um, you know, 
even in spite of what uh, what damage has been wrought over the last uh, two years, uh, I think we're still an attractive proposition. Um, the the wages that we're offering uh, would appear to be yeah. very competitive, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I, I think we're still very much a, a big pull on the international uh, uh, scale. Certainly going off the Steve Keane story in the Mail on Sunday, if those are the type of wages that we're able to pay, then, yeah, it's it's very good money that they seem to be offering. Um, yeah, and it does seem, you know, there's some... If the bookies' names are reliable, it, it seems like there's some very high calibre of people that are interested. In it. And, as you say, people who were sort of born and bred and brought up in Blackburn do tend to maybe have a little bit of a, a donor on ourselves on the place for... We are, but I think that on an international scale, yeah, there is a lot that we can offer. I was just thinking about Solskjaer. Maybe he could have one eye on um, Sir Alex Ferguson retiring, and he needs to step up from what he's doing in Norway to prove himself at another level. And maybe it's with a one eye to eventually succeed in an Old Trafford that he needs to add something else to his CV other than continually winning the Norwegian Championship. And what better place to do it, maybe, than uh, Darren Eatwood? That's probably true. The only problem with Solskjaer could be that the, the Norwegian league doesn't finish. Um, you know, obviously it's on the same schedule as ours. So you've got, I think it finishes mid-November, um, and he may have a temptation to want to stay there until the season's finished. But uh, I I hope if we, if we do go down that route, I, I don't want to have a caretaker manager in charge for another, you know, month, month and a half. And looking down the list, the one I really hope we stay away from um, is is Keith Hill. Not because I have doubts about his managerial qualities. It's just I hope that in appointing a manager, we we, we get someone with a bit of experience, but also someone with a, a kind of very strong character. And so even though I'm not a tremendous fan of the likes of Mick McCarthy or Roy Keane or Ian Holloway, for that matter, at least you know that they won't sort of sit idly by as you know, Venkis dictate how things should be done or, you know, kind of, lie, you know, lies are told to the supporters while another thing is done behind the scenes. So I just hope we appoint someone uh, with a bit of character so we at least know that they're going to, you know, stand for what, what they want to do. Um, and for the most part, the list is, is very encouraging. I mean, as I said, Blackburn Rovers is an attractive proposition to most um, and the fact that we a that we should be offering a lot of money based on the Steve Keane salary, and b that we spent money in the summer, so you know prospective managers should think that there will, may well be a little bit more money to spend. Um, I think we we could appoint a good candidate. Yeah, well, um, we're um, moving into the uh, international break, uh, so I think the idea is that this gives the uh, the Venk is a little bit of a cushion uh, to carry out a manager search and hopefully a point. Um, if we could uh, just move on from the uh, manager search. Um, over in uh, Australia, New Zealand, we've got the BRANZ, the Blackburn Rovers Australia and New Zealand uh, group. Um, John, uh, you've been leading the BRANZ, the Brants uh, now, since you set up in uh, March, I think it was when uh, when I was down in Sydney, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and it was with one eye on the fact that Rovers might get relegated uh, that we just needed to try and bring people together a little bit as a, a preemptive move before we dropped off the radar altogether because it, it really is proven extremely hard to find any communication. Uh, well, certainly live games, it's hard to find. We can still go on the forums, and they're great, and they provide us with a lot of information and rumour and speculation and so on. But for live games, it's really difficult. So we're setting up a bit of a network between ourselves, and there's a few of us um, from me down in Sydney and over in Perth as well. We're all sort of uh, scouring the internet, trying to find some game coverage whenever we can do, which usually ends up being futile. But uh, we're trying our best to keep each other in the loop to try and uh, see if there is any live coverage on TV. But, yeah, since the meeting that we had down in Sydney, we've also had another meeting up here in Brisbane as well, um, which was quite good. There was 
a few guys attended and again it was in a pub and um, again we probably drank too long and <laughs> too much to drink but it was good to get a group of us together and uh, just have a chat when, uh, when was the meet up in Brisbane? it was I can't remember the exact date it was about three months ago it was back in June yeah right then yeah middle of June yeah yeah uh, who, who yeah. did anybody come up from Sydney or other parts of no, Australia? No, no, we were hoping that one or two might be able to, but things just fell through at the last minute. I mean, anybody who's in town is more than welcome. We ended up talking to a Bolton fan towards the end of the night. But um, yeah, we're hoping there might be a few more people come along to the one that we're having this Saturday. Um, if anybody's listening, in, I'm going to give it a plug here. When I hope that's okay. Please give do, it a yeah. plug for we have. Yeah, we have a meeting this coming Saturday at the Caxton Hotel on Caxton Street in Milton in Brisbane. We're gonna, I'm going to be there. I'm hoping to be there from around about 1 o'clock, maybe a, a little bit after that um, in the hotel there. Um, that's the same day that the local football team here, the Brisbane Roy, they play their first home game of the season next Saturday. So we're hoping that if people are coming into town to watch the Roy game, they might be able to come along as well and uh, join in with us as the as the Rovers fans and maybe bring their trip into town a little bit forward and do something pre-game because I have seen quite a few um, Blackburn supporters and Rovers shirts knocking around at the Roar games, the Brisbane Roar games. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that that might just help people kill two birds with one stone a little bit and getting in there and doing it in the afternoon as well instead of just having sort of a boozy Rovers fans meeting. Um, I'll certainly be taking my son along. So if there's anybody else with the kids... Uh, um, bring them all along. The more more family members we can get there all together, that'd be really good. And it's just a chance for us to uh, have a bit of a chat. There's been a lot happening down at Ewood. Maybe swap some contact details and uh, yeah, just bring us together a little bit more and unite a little bit more as uh, the Blackburn fans in sort of the Brisbane, Gold Coast, Ipswich type of area. If anybody wants to get in touch with me, um, probably Twitter is a really good place or through the fans forum. Um, I'm on there as John Dotley on the fans forum, or it's at Brisbane Rovers if you're on Twitter. Um, and I'll gladly give you all my contact details if somebody gets in touch with me. Um, that'd be the best way. Yeah, uh, You've seen on the fans forum, uh, that's probably confusing for people. Uh, everybody associates the fans forum with the official group connected to uh, Blackburn Rovers Football Club. Uh, I think Sorry, you're referring yeah, to yeah. the BRANZ forum. Yeah, on the BRFCS.com. We have um, on BRFCS.com we have our own tab or subheading or whatever the, the proper name is for it that we have a brands section. Um, anybody can scroll in there and have a look at the stuff that's going on. And if they want to get in touch, just PM me through BRFCS.com. Sorry, you're quite right, it's not the fans forum. Yeah, there's uh, a subsection. Uh, of the BRFCS forum um, that uh, uh, BRANZ is brands uh, is uh, is under, um, and uh, yeah, you've you've got your own sub forum as it were. You uh, in the, that's in, right, the yeah. And I've, I'm well, Glenn's present. I should just say thank you very much again. We've spoken many times electronically, but uh, thank you very much in person to Glenn for helping us get all that, and uh, and Biddy as well, who was a massive help in getting everything set up on there. That's great. Thank you. Always a pleasure, and it's probably a perfect opportunity for me to actually put a little bit of a plug for that service in there. It's something that if anybody wants to start off a supporters group, be it just a few of you based in a, a pub in East Lancashire, or whether it's you know like um, the, the John's done there and, and taken on an entire continent, um, we're more than welcome to do the same for anyone. There's um, no no charge at all. You know, it, it's something we do just to try and help you get off the ground to get your supporters group started. Um, we've done something similar for a group of lads in New York. I'm currently talking to a group of lads out in India who are looking at, at using the thing. So, um, yeah, like I said there's no sort of um, scheme for it for us. We we you know we just make our services available to you so you can have your own little um, content-driven website and your little section on the forums, and then we'll try and put you in contact with the right people for projects you want to try and get off the ground so yeah well you know thank you for being part of the the beer fcs family john and um, if anybody else wants to try something similar let us know just one other thing if i can do when um yeah. for our meetings 
that we're going to have this Saturday in Brisbane. It, whilst it's quite informal, it might be nice to speak with a few people and kick around some of the ideas that were suggested in the Wayne Wild podcast about the uh, Blackburn, sorry, the Rovers Supporters Trust now, to give it its proper name, and see whether as a group we might want to look at putting something together to buy into it as the brands, as the Blackburn, Norway, Australia, New Zealand supporters, or whether people want to do things on an individual basis. So whilst I don't want to get heavy with agendas and so on with the meeting, it would be nice to have some sort of official business that we can discuss as well. Yeah, the Rovers Trust um, uh, is essentially um, aimed at individual membership, but um, uh, of course any suggestions that you've got for... uh, um, uh, group group uh, uh, ownership um, right. issues. Uh, I'm sure if you put those through to to the trust, uh, they'd be interested to hear. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's good. Um, the uh, other other areas in uh, Australia, um, Melbourne uh, and Sydney in particular, um, <laughs> are, they, are they not uh, getting up and uh, and doing things yet? I'm glad you mentioned that one. Um, there was, yeah, we had one meeting down in Sydney, but Perth, Melbourne, Adelaide, they seem to be hang, slacking behind a little bit. They haven't sort of risen up to the challenge yet. And once more, it's Queensland who are leading the way, as tends to be most things over here. When, um, yeah, we're having to show the rest of the boys the way. And so we can put the challenge down to them, to Rover supporters in other cities, other states, to uh, try and live up to the example that we're setting for them. <laughs> Very good. Uh, hopefully, uh, some of the Sydney people will uh, will wake up and uh, do something. Uh, maybe down at the Lord Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, um, I'm already looking forward to going going over to uh, Australia next uh, February. Um, I'll be passing through February twenty third, twenty fourth, I think. It's the uh, the Mardi Gras. Starting, I think the 23rd, there's a big party in the uh, in the park, in the botanical gardens. So uh, um, uh, I'm sure uh, uh, a BRFCS uh, Combrance meetup uh, uh, in the Lord Nelson will go down well on that weekend. And then I'm hoping to go up to Brisbane as well um, after after that uh, for a couple of days. Might, might actually get to, get to Melbourne as well um, at the beginning of February. Um, there's one or two people in the Melbourne area. Um, hopefully, can get together. But mm. uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's it's great that uh, you can you can keep things going, keep your little uh, um, communities and what have you uh, going. Um, you know, even though the club's uh, not in the best state. How about in Japan, when is the uh... Rovers Supporters Association over there going well? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Okay. Uh, it's, it's good to hear about uh, um, Brant's movements. Um, just moving on to uh, club issues now. Um, the shirt sponsor... Uh, issue has been discussed uh, fairly recently. Uh, I think the last podcast we were saying how very little was happening. Uh, just wondering, Glenn, do you have any uh, any news on that? No, no. Um, it, I say it's something that generally gets up, brought up at the fans forum every now and again, but we haven't had a, an update for a, a while on that. So um, yeah, no, nothing I've heard officially, and nothing I've heard unofficially. To be fair, yeah. Very unfortunate. Uh, and uh, the the kits, uh, we discussed this uh, um, short while ago. Uh, the second and the third kit, second kit um, is all blue. Uh, third kit is all white. Um, I believe that there was uh, discussion of this by the fans forum uh, a while back, uh, beginning of the season. Um, could you um, tell us what that was about, Glenn? Yeah, um, I... I I don't recall the, the details precisely because it, it wasn't a topic I was particularly interested in at the time to go and check the minutes to go, but I, I do in the back of my mind to say that the second and third kits, rather than being um, specially designed for Rovers, were more Umbro 
off-the-shelf logo and things added later. And because of that, they, they were only available in um, sort of limited quantities from Umbro, which is why the shop ran out got some more. But, um, as I say, that, that wasn't a, a conversation I was particularly um, paying much attention to, so check the minutes to be sure. Yeah, but uh, originally the uh, away kit was uh, uh, slated to be the yellow one again, and uh, <laughs> that met with some opposition, apparently. Yeah, again, uh, there was there was a lot of rumour and speculation around the time that um, for a, you know a long time we were looking at having the yellow one, and then it got changed at the last minute due to um, you know, sort of feedback from people that they weren't keen on yellow. But as I say, that that was all rumour. I don't know how much of that was actually verified as truth or not. I think it is verified that Mrs. Decise um, got some some, <laughs> some kind of uh, allergy to the colour yellow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've heard that myself several times, but whether or not that actually influenced the shirts, I don't I don't know, or whether that's people putting two and two together and uh, and just assuming that was the reason. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Good. Now, um, on the um, commercial managing side, Ken Beamish um, left the post. Uh, we discussed this briefly uh, in a recent podcast. And uh, he has been replaced by Greg Kaur. Now, the uh, first thing to say about Greg is that he's no relation whatsoever to uh, uh, Robert Kaur or uh, Burnley Bob, as, uh, as he's also known. Um, he's mean, merely his namesake. Now, uh, Greg is uh, an avid fan of the Rovers. He's been going since the 1960s. Um, he had a, a season ticket back in the 70s on the Riverside used to stand in the middle of the riverside there with the singing section. Uh, used to go to the away games pretty regularly uh, throughout his teens. He's an absolutely fantastic guy. Um, he's a very, very good sportsman in his young days. Uh, very good footballer. Uh, very neat midfielder. And uh, very intelligent as well uh, on and off the pitch. Um, Cricket-wise, uh, he was an absolutely top, top, top cricketer, uh, very good eye, and um, uh, he was a, a, an excellent batsman. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's been uh, involved in uh, sport, sporting things uh, throughout his life, and Blackburn Rovers has been very much at the centre of that. He's uh, been involved with the Rovers for quite some time now, uh, and. Uh, uh, I think, uh, Glenn, you'll, you'll know him very well from his involvement with the Fans Forum uh, for many years now. Absolutely, yeah. yeah he's um, gone from being an occasional guest on the Forum to being an ever-present for, for many, many um, years now. And um, Greg was one of the people that kind of chaperoned us out in, um, in Pune. So, yeah, great guy, a lot of time for him. And, um, yeah, so congratulations on his promotion. Yeah. Um, we very much hope that things go well for him um, it's a, an incredibly difficult time uh, for uh, the club commercially uh, we noted previously about uh, problems with uh, empty hoardings uh, advertising hoardings uh, of course the WEC Darwin End stand is no more um, they've lost uh, they've lost that uh, uh, particular sponsorship uh, and also corporate uh, sponsorship, uh, the corporate boxes, uh, everything's down. So it's an incredibly difficult time uh, for the commercial side. Uh, so we just hope that uh, Greg is all able to uh, uh, keep keep things afloat uh, while while the club's in uh, some degree of turmoil, and uh, then uh, get us up and going again, as it were. Another issue that uh, we'll just look at very briefly is uh, uh, the order to uh, Venkis London Limited uh, that uh, could have some re repercussions. Um, they apparently have not uh, put in their accounts um, for, I think it was uh, 31st of July uh, of this year that the accounts were, 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 were supposed to be due with Companies House. They weren't, uh, they weren't posted. And apparently they've had uh, some kind of order uh, that may may end up in in them being wound wound up, uh, 
but uh, yeah, I'm I'm hardly hardly an expert on uh, company matters. Uh, how 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 are you on that, Eddie? Do do you know what what's happening there? I just I mean, this is Philip's territory, and I'm I'm sure when he listens to this, he will be so disappointed that he miss out missed out on an opportunity to talk about this for twenty minutes. But you know, it seems that. It seems it was just a vehicle to buy the club. Um, they have no activity, so they filed no reports, uh, and you know didn't file the accounts, which um, they have to do. And as a result of that, um, you know they could be closed down. But either the, it appears to me they could kind of apologize and file the accounts late, and uh, should be able to save it if they want to. I, it seems to have no implications whatsoever for the, the future of the club, or or bears really no reflection on, on Venkis as a whole, other than the fact that they, you know, continuously have issues with, with managing um, small parts of their uh, companies related to, to Rovers. Um, I don't think it's of particular importance, but it's another, you know, bad bit of press for them. Yeah, it's perhaps more symptomatic uh, than than anything else, but we shall see. I mean, the the uh, the, the alleged fact that they uh, they haven't responded to Company's House at all, um, it, it sort of follows a certain pattern with them not responding to to anyone who asks them anything. So we shall see in the next few weeks what what happens on on that on that side. So um, thanks ever so much, guys, for uh, taking part today. Uh, do, you, do you have any other final comments, uh, John? Um, I just really hope, from a very selfish perspective, that Rovers get back into Premier League as soon as possible so that I can watch them on TV again. Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's this big, big, big vacuum, isn't it, out here? That it is, it, yeah. No idea what's going on. Uh, yeah, there's lots of people around the world uh, who are in the same position as us. Yeah, um, and it makes you realise um, how far-reaching the Premier League is, and why there's all the financial incentives to stay in there because sponsors obviously are inevitably attracted to such a global uh, phenomenon. I suppose as as the uh, the FA Premiership. It's um, yeah, and if you're not in it, then you're not going to attract the sponsorship, and it's really hard. And um, yeah, we we need to be back in it for many many reasons, but just for my purely selfish reason, we need to be in it so I can watch it. Please, please, somebody do something about it. <laughs> good. Well, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get a, a good solid manager <laughs> in in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, in the next mm. week even, and. Uh, then by the time uh, we play uh, Derby away uh, on the uh, 20th of October, Saturday the 20th, hopefully we'll be uh, there with uh, a good sound managerial setup again. Thank you, John. And uh, Eddie, um, you any final thoughts? No, I mean, the same thoughts, really. Uh, this is the perfect opportunity for them to take a bit of time and appoint a manager and give them a bit of time to prepare for the next match. So hopefully... Uh, and then we'll see a bit of action. Yep, good. I guess you'll be going along to the dive match. It's just down the road for you. Yeah, not too far. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to make it. Yep. Uh, especially if there's a new manager in charge, I'll definitely be there. Mm. And uh, Glenn is in the background. Uh, he's uh, been doing the recording. Thanks to Glenn. Pleasure as always. Well, thank you very much uh, to everyone who took part today. And... Uh, Thank you ever so much for listening in. Uh, wherever you are, we hope that you do take good care and uh, we look forward to having you back with us again. Thank you very much. <laughs>